This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Manchester City and Chelsea potentially played the game of the season already at Stamford Bridge, but has it revealed some holes in the mighty treble winners? It's Monday, November 13. I'm Ollie McCool. I'm Andrew Dever. I'm Joe Ritchie. And this is the City Report Podcast. Well, where to even begin with that one, lads? Um, an absolute chaos, game of chaos. This is going to be a podcast of chaos. Uh, for full uh, reference, we're recording this 20 minutes after the game finished. Um, I think all, all our heads are a little bit scrambled, so this is going to be a bit of a mess, but we'll try and uh, go through it. Um, I'll start with you, Joe. Um, has that ruined your weekend? How's Because <laughs> I, I don't really, I don't, I, I'm a bit, I'm still a bit, you know, how to look at that game I don't really know yet I think we'll find out over the course of this podcast but has it ruined your weekend no I mean at the end of the day you know I think Ollie Kirsch put it in our chat like City have a game like this once twice a season um if it ends in City still being top of the table going into the international break and you know knock on wood no one got injured that we know about bar Ake um it's not all bad. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, and I think there's probably more cons than pros. But again, City are top of the table, and we have a couple of weeks off uh, before the Liverpool match. So, no, I'm I'm not too upset about it. Andrew, you're our resident optimist here at the City Report podcast. Um, what's your t- What's your kind of initial take on that game? Four uh, four against Chelsea seems a bit mad, doesn't it? But uh, I think his head's cool. Point a point at Stamford Bridge um, might not look too bad. Absolutely. I mean, a point at Stanford Bridge is never a bad thing. Um, I think too many people were looking at Chelsea as this team that was in 10th 
and saying, oh, this should be easy versus this is a team that if you look at the underlying numbers and their performances is fourth in the table, um, is not that far off City in terms of their ability, has a very talented squad. So to me, coming out of there with a point, uh, particularly when we did not play anywhere close to our best, and I think that's the important thing to take away from it, is that you maybe can be disappointed with how we played, but the fact that we got a draw when we played this poorly against a team that I think will likely be in contention for the Champions League come the end of the season, I'm going to take that um, any day of the week. Um, Yeah, uh, I think... You know, initial reactions were just a bit, you know, what the fuck? Because when you score a goal in the 85th minute, you think, you know, especially what looked like a winning goal from Rodri at that point, you're thinking, okay, this is it, perfect. And then, of course, it had to be the ex-City boy himself, Cole Palmer. And I think that's actually a good place to start with this. Um, Raheem Sterling opening the scoring for Chelsea after Haaland's early penalty, which we'll come on to in a minute. Cole Palmer closing the scoring in the whole Uh, game. Thiago's was first. Well, Thiago's was first. So Raheem gets them Raheem for got, the 2-1. Raheem went 2-1. Okay, yeah. well, that's my point ruined immediately there. But um, <laughs> the, po- the point is, uh, we're, lo- we're looking at a game here, you know, two, two excellent wingers who've, co- who've, who've come through at City. Um, you know, Raheem Sterling, obviously, is a senior, but Cole Palmer from the age of eight. Um, compared to Jeremy Doku, who I think all surprises all a little bit when he, his name was on the team sheet. Um, Joe, what, do you, what did you make of... Um, that overall, really, uh, you know, the decision to start Doku going up against Palmer and Sterling was the kind of any emotional impact of that there for you? No, I mean, at the end of the day, obviously, he's coming off a brilliant match against Bournemouth. Um, I think that, you know, there's again pros and cons to starting Grealish and or Doku on any given match. Um, you know, I think looking back, if you ask Pep what he would have done from the start, my guess is he probably would have picked Jack. I think when he came on, um, you know, he was certainly a little bit more composed like you would expect him to be. But in defense of Doku at the same time, his first 20, 25 minutes, they weren't spectacular. Um, but I think he really came into that first half, which is probably why he stayed on into the second half. You know, I think he was finally getting on the ball more, taking on his man. Um, there was no final, you know, final product as far as goals or assists. There was one moment in particular where he passed up probably a pretty easy assist for a shot, a pretty tame shot. So again, it's, it's a young player um, in a pretty tough away in, of, uh, environment, excuse me. Um, so it, it's a learning experience for me. I, I, I don't think that there's a right or wrong choice. Cause I'm not sure what Jack does in that first half either city. were pretty sloppy overall, you know? So um, I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, obviously the next match for city will be Liverpool, right? Another big, um, potentially end-to-end match, you know, does Pep look to stick with Doku or does he then realize maybe he needs a bit more control on a player like Grealish? Yeah, I think I think that's kind of the the, the key talking point between the Grealish-Doku debate. It's always about control. And, you know, after watching a game like that, you can see why a lot of people are going to, you know, I think people will call him for Grealish from 20 minutes in. Um, Andrew, coming to you, uh, you know what? What's what's your take on that? You know, obviously there was a split in in the pod group chat about this. There's a split all across City Twitter. Obviously, we're all enchanted by how good Doku has been uh, in his in his opening you know months for City. But Jack Grealish is a known and trusted quantity, and you could see, you know, you can see the difference between them quite clearly. Even if Grealish didn't have quite the full impact we would have hoped from him in this game, 
Um, what's your kind of take on those two? How how they both played? Would you have preferred Grealish from the start overall? Looking at that, or do you think you know Pep was right to make the call for Doku? I absolutely would have preferred Grealish from the start. Um, I said it on the preview episode last Friday, but for me, I think and historically Pep has gone with Grealish in these big games because one, he gives you control out in the wing and a player who can draw fouls and slow the game down, but also his defensive contributions are simply something that Doku doesn't have yet. Um, That's not to say that he won't, but that's just not in his locker. It wasn't in Jack's locker in Jack's first season. Um, You know, I, I think Doku has had a really good start to life at Manchester City, but I would also say that many of his moments of brilliance have come against teams that we should expect him to look really good against. And I think Pep may have even bought into the hype a little too much by thinking that this match was a time to use Doku. He is still incredibly raw. He is still incredibly inexperienced in this system. And I think it showed at multiple points tonight. And I think, frankly, you know, this is not saying Gavardiol was only bad throughout the match because of Grealish, but or because of Doku being there. But Doku not tracking back left Gavardiol alone several times where Chelsea was able to break into space. Um, that just to me doesn't happen with Grealish in the pitch. Um, Doku is a luxury player at this point. He's incredibly talented, but he should not, in my opinion, be making the starting lineup over someone like Grealish in matches like this. Absolutely play him against Bournemouth. Absolutely play him against young boys. You know, all teams where we can expect to dominate the ball for the majority of the match. Chelsea are a really, really fucking good team. And we should have never thought, you know, who this team needs right now is a player like Jeremy Doku. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, looking back reflection, it does feel like we took them a little bit too lightly and it's kind of, um, with, uh, looking back immediately on that game, as I said, you know, we're recording this half an hour after the game. My head is still just absolutely scrambled and I'm hoping we can kind of fix that over the course of this. Um, but to go back to the very first goal of the game and what a long time ago it now feels when Haaland won a penalty against Mark Kukurea, um, Clearly, um, for me, a very clear call, very, a very, ob- a very clear penalty for me, and I think I'm quite rare to say that. But Andrew, what did you make of it? Um, what did you, ma- what did you make of it? What did you make of the pen? Do you think it's a good call? Because um, I've seen them given against smaller strikers. I've never seen Haaland get one of them. Um, I think it was, I think it was absolutely a perfect decision by Anthony Taylor, and I'm surprised he actually called it. To be honest, I think that I'm not upset that it's given. I also wouldn't have been upset had it not been given. Um, and ultimately the call on the pitch is what should have stood. Um, either way, I, I just think it's one of those that that's a decision the ref has to make. Um, I do think there's an interesting interpretation of does Holland only get into that position by grabbing a hold of Kukurea, but they're both grabbing each other. So I think for me, that probably cancels the two of them out. And so then you only look at what's happening at the moment, which is that Kukurea pulls him to the ground. Um, but it's a contact sport. I would have been perfectly fine had that not been called. Anything different to add to that, Joe? Um, so it was, it was tricky because I don't, I don't know, Ollie, what what you saw, but on the the US broadcast, they only showed one angle, pretty much. So it was from um, 
the near side of the post, not the far side. So, all you know, we saw an initial tug. It looked like Colin, you know, grabbed a bit of Kukurea's shoulder and then Kukurea basically retali- retaliated and got him back. And I think, to be honest with you, from what I saw, it looks like Colin made the most of it. Um, now, does a player of his size need to, to get the calls sometimes? Because otherwise, he'll never get them, probably. But we didn't, re- I didn't see anything from the other side. So it was kind of hard to say, like, how much contact Kukurea actually gave him. Um I think to Andrew's point, like if if that doesn't get called a penalty, I'm probably not that upset. City have had far bigger penalty cries that they didn't get than that. Um, but at the same time, by calling it a penalty, you know, you are interrupting his progress towards the ball in a clear goal scoring uh, position. So I can see both sides of it. Um, I just wish that in the U.S. we had gotten better um, angles at it to, to definitively say. Yeah, I think this is probably what a lot of people are going to find the problem with it. You know, we we were only shown the one angle here too on Sky Sports. Um, it makes it more difficult when you when even as a fan, you're only shown one angle when you know there's more out there. Um, right. And so, so I, I can I can see why people are annoyed about it. But I think if Harlem was half a foot shorter, there's no chance anyone would be that would be too annoyed by it. I think you know it's like you say, yeah, he probably did make the most of it, but as you say, he has to sometimes. Um, and I'm just glad the referee actually called one um, because right. I think if if it wasn't, we'd all be, I'd be a bit more upset that it wasn't called because it, but it, it's easily written off as much. Um, but mm. then Chelsea struck back in, struck struck straight back. Thiago Silva unmarked from absolutely nowhere. Break that down for me, Joe, if you can, um, because I'm just how, how on earth do you leave? A player, you know, yes, yes, he's thirty nine years old, and Peter Jury made a massive point about it. But how on earth do you leave a player like him unmarked for a corner like that? Yeah, it, it was a really weird one, right? So he started on the penalty spot with, um, I believe, another one of the centre backs. Maybe it was Diaz. He was next to him, and um, just basically got a free run, to, you know, towards the corner flag. And to be fair to him, it was a very tough finish from that angle. But to go unmarked, um, I, I think I saw on the broadcast, they were talking about Holland a little bit. Well, Holland was man marking Cole Palmer from the very beginning, right? It looked like it was Kyle Walker. Um, and I know there was one other player that were standing around the penalty box that just didn't pay any mind to those two players making that run. Right. So it just felt honestly, it was pretty symbolic of how the entire match went, right? It just felt like city were chasing shadows. There was holes all in the middle of the pitch. There was holes in the penalty box, just very uncity like as far as defending goes. And, you know, Ironic that it comes on a week where Pep reiterates his stance that he has defenders who love defending, right? And then you go and see some of these goals today, and it's just like, what, you know, what are you doing here? Like, of all people, age is irrelevant, right? To me, actually, age benefits Tiago Silva in this situation because age, with age comes experience. And to put a header away like that, you need a lot of experience. So I don't know how they left him unmarked. I I don't really think much of it falls on Ederson. I, I think it's just a great placed header, but... um yeah, I think they'll be breaking that one down in the film session the next couple of days or when they come back, mm-hmm. I guess, from international break. Absolutely. Absolutely. Andrew, I want to I want to bring you in for the Raheem Sterling goal. Um, another just defensive horror show. You know, I'm just you stood there ha- head in hands watching some of the defending today. But that from Guardiola was as close to inexcusable as it gets. I don't care how new you are to see. That's just basic defending for me. Um yeah, I mean, he, he gets a little twisted there. Again, I think that does, though, come from he was playing with way less help than he is used to getting because, one, we weren't playing with the 3-2-2, th- you know, three kind of setup that we 
have been doing with Stones in the team and then not having someone like Gavardiol to kind of back or not having someone like Grealish to back up Gavardiol in terms of dropping back and Raheem Sterling kind of coming at you with pace. I can see how that situation the, like the defense kind of was left in a bad position from the beginning. Basically, as soon as Chelsea got that ball, we were on our back foot. Um, it's not great, but like, frankly, I don't think any of the defenders real uh, Akanji, I would say had a okay day defending. Obviously the goal helps his numbers, but overall, I don't think anyone really covered themselves in glory uh, defending today, which is what you would expect in a match where city gives up four goals, which, you know, this is a team that has let in the least goals in the division um, up till today. So not surprising that they didn't perform well. Also uh, speaking about irony and I'm, I hope I'm not putting you on blast here, Ollie, but Ollie was talking about just some overall long-term, long-term concerns about Kyle Walker in our chat this week. And I think he's looking like a pretty smart man right now. Um, I, I don't, have any issues with the extension per se um i think he's had a really good start to to this season but raheem sterling had that man on toast all day long i haven't seen him look that lost 1v1 defending arguably in a city career i mean he was getting twisted and turned and, and we know you know obviously we've had raheem play for city for you know five six years whatever it was so we, we know when he's on his day he can do that to any fullback but like that to me is wildly wildly concerning how out of place he looked and, and and again that goes to the whole defense right it, they were they weren't organized but 1v1 defending is where Kyle to me should be able to do his thing for the next two three four years it, you know it's not like it's a pace thing but today was just I mean again Ollie I'll give you a bit of your flowers not that I want to rag on one of our players but that was a tough tough day for Kyle yeah, I think the one thing I could say about the defending in that game is John Stones is clearly the best defender in this team and he plays in midfield half the time. Um, just uh, just an absolute head loss. Yeah, I, did, I didn't really want to mention Kyle Walker too much, but it was just a shit show from him today. Easily the wor- worst performance I think we've seen from him um, in the past year. Um, just Raheem Sterling. If if he could have just had a few more games like that towards the end of his City career, how different <laughs> it all could have been right now. Um, I yeah, I think I think anyone who's ever liked Raheem Sterling as a Manchester City fan has dreamed of him playing with Haaland because they would have just been so perfect together. But that was the old school Raheem Sterling that we haven't seen properly for a, a while now, um, and he just Kyle Walker had no chance against him today. But yeah, as I said, as I said earlier in the week, kind of unintentionally, th- this is why I'm concerned because the thing the thing with a player like Kyle is that when the drop off starts, it is going to be horrific. It's how long he can keep it going for, and if this is now, if this, you know, we can write it off as just one game for now. But if this becomes the trend, and he reverses back on all the great work he's done so far this season, um, that is really damaging for me. Um, but as as you say, the whole defense had an absolute shit show today Ruben Diaz worst performance I've seen from him in a city shirt um I love the man but that was absolutely horrendous Josco Guardiol you know, giving up that goal just didn't look comfortable at all today um you know and yes he's three months into a city career yes it's a new system yes he's playing more left back and you know adapting to that role instead of being more at centre-back like he was in Leipzig but um 
that has me, you know, this has me really worried, especially when you've got Liverpool up next in two weeks. If John Stones can miraculously recover in two weeks, you'd want him out there. But that was just not good enough from the defence today. Can we talk about just, because again, I hate being like too reactionary and too negative on podcasts like this, especially when, again, City are going in international break top of the table, right? That's, to me, that's the, the biggest takeaway. But while we're talking about individual performances in defense, Ruben Dias is supposed to be the man who calms down everyone around him, right? He's supposed to be the leader at the back, organizes things, um, Obviously, at his core, he still is. I'm, I'm not saying he's not, but it, it, it's been kind of a kind of a weird season. Um, a couple games here and there where I don't want to use the term dropped, but he hasn't started when we know he's been fit. Um, I think, like you said, Ollie, today was probably one of his worst overall performances. And again, that's across the board. The defense was was pretty woeful, but um, it just feels weird where he had been hitting such. You know, he came back from injury last season and. To me, that's when things really started to turn around for City. I know people talk about, you know, getting John Stones in a midfield, and that is another big part. But for me, it starts with Diaz at the back. Um, it, it's just been a really weird campaign. Um, you know, most times he's not asked to do much, but today it was just seemed like he was all over the place uh, positionally. And then to give away that penalty at the end, like when you didn't need to, um, it was shades of kind of Benfica, Ruben Diaz, where it always went to ground early. It was just, it was very bizarre. Um, Andrew, I don't know if, you know, you're as concerned as I am. Again, I think it's more of a short-term thing and then a long-term thing. I still, still think he's probably the best defender in the world, but it was just, it, it's just been a really weird couple weeks. I think a lot of that, though, has to do with the fact that a couple of those performances you're referencing come when we don't have Rodri in the team. Um, I, I think largely, as bad as the defense was, I would put a lot of that on, a majority of this game, City did not have control of the midfield. Um, and again, I think that comes down to the selections that Pep made. We were built to be a front foot team in this match. And the fact that Chelsea were able to keep the possession that they did, which I think was around, uh, so they had 45. I think it was 45, were, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's closer than a lot of City matches are. And I think that left us exposed where if City's press didn't get the ball, right away that did mean that there was a lot of pressure on the back line and we weren't you know we were giving them more opportunities to go at it um which is not something we typically have i mean chelsea took more shots than us they had 17 shots um we had one less in target nine to our 10 but those are just a lot of opportunities that i don't think if you have the rodri stones midfield that those opportunities happen to where then Diash gets exposed. I think, you know, you can be really good at defending. And I think all of our defenders are, but if you're having to defend seven times a game versus like one to two, there are more opportunities for things to go awry. So I'm not worried long-term. I do think though, that this, it just frankly, I think the, the approach to the game was wrong and that's a large part of what happened. And so like, I'm not really worried about it because that's just not something that's going to happen routinely with Pep. Like we occasionally have games where he gets the lineup or the approach wrong, but 98% of the time he doesn't. So I, I think it'll all be okay. Yeah. I think, and I think that's a good place to leave it for part one, come back in part two, where we'll talk a little bit more positively, I hope. Um, but yeah. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. 
Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Um, welcome back to the Chelsea Review. Um, if you like what we do, leave a rating, leave a review, all that good stuff. Um, Andrew, Joe, right. What what are the positives we can take from this game? I, th- I, th- I think, you know, g- generally we can say a point at Stamford Bridge in a crazy game where the defence just none of them really were above a five out of ten at best, um, where the midfield took a day off. Um, from their normal jobs and you know we had practically none of the control we're used to Manchester City seeing Joe let's have let's have let's have some positivity (laughs) Phil Foden I thought he was absolutely brilliant today especially in that first half where you know not a lot was going our way City started putting a lot of attacks down the right and you think with a little bit with a little bit better finishing we are one or two goals to the good from Phil Foden alone in this game yeah, I think I, you know, I put out a tweet after um, you know City's last game, basically just saying that Phil's quietly having a, a phenomenal season, and um, is he putting in nine out of ten performances every game? No, but he's almost doing a little bit of like the Rodri esque, where like his minimums is seven out of ten now. Um, I think to me, he's been City's most consistent player this season, and um, you know that's saying a lot because Alvarez had a brilliant season, Rodri couple slip-ups here and there, but he's been brilliant this season. Holland is continuing to be a freak of nature. Um, but I just think that Foden on that right side, and, you know, he's been on the right most of the season, right? Obviously against Newcastle, he was truly central. A handful of games he's been coming in centrally when Kyle Walker's gone up the right side. But um, he's continuing to show that positional versatility, just maybe in a little bit less <laughs> areas of the pitch. But I just think that he's he's showing this side of his game now where, I don't think he'll ever be your your control player. Um, he's never going to be your David Silva, but he's he's learning when to kind of kick it into the next gear, but also when to slow it down, when to find the extra pass, when to wait for the overlap. Um, it just feels like every time he's on the ball, I'm confident something's going to happen. Um, I, I agree with you, Ollie. I think he was unlucky to not have a goal or an assist today, but um, I think he deserved the 90 minutes because he really was – flawless from start to finish um so to me if he can carry on at this point i i believe and i may be wrong um i think he's played in every premier league game so far this season um you know so for all the people crying out that he needs to play more he's finally getting those consistent minutes and that's only gonna that's only gonna make him better um so i i think he was a solid solid eight out of ten today um and i hope that he can continue to uh to show that against liverpool after the break yeah, Andrew, I want to take you straight into the second half um, for the for this 
uh, moment of positivity. Mateo Kovacic, I thought, had a decent little cameo when he came on uh, after a difficult few weeks, especially since coming back from his injury. Um, he's had a bit of a, he's had a more rough time, more in and out of the team. What did you make of his little cameo today? Because I thought, especially in tough circumstances, playing against your old team when you, they really need you to step up, I thought he did quite well today. Yeah, and I think that it's something that isn't surprising me because I think he has had a very good start to life at City. And, you know, if you set aside the Arsenal match, I don't think there's much you can complain about for a 29-year-old player to come and slot in the way that he has and um, do the role that he we've asked him to play. Um, and I thought he did that today. He um, had a couple um, kind of, you know, nice duels and dribbles that I thought helped City kind of control the midfield a little bit more towards the end, which is something we were desperate for. I, I wonder, looking back, if maybe a Rodri Kovacic kind of double pivot instead of having it be, you know, Rodri Bernardo kind of at times would have maybe been better and allowed Bernardo to be further up the pitch with what he was doing. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he played really well. Um, I think he's going to be a great player. I still think Nunez is going to be a great player. And I think a lot of City fans are just looking for reasons to be upset that like we've had some games that haven't necessarily gone our way, but like we historically have not been at our best at this point in the season under really any of the Guardiola title challenges other than the Centurions campaign. So I'm not like, I just, I'm not worried if we're still kind of finding the best way to play right now with this collection of players, particularly when we, you know, Rodri misses several, Stones has missed several, KDB's been at, like, there are a lot of reasons to say, wow, the fact that City are top of the league and are, you know, still picking up results, like, that's a good thing at this point in the season. So, I mean, you're not going to hear anything but positivity from me at this point in the season. And I think one thing, I, and Ollie, I'm sure you're going to cover it, but I, I want to make sure we don't bypass because it, it's kind of easy to take his performances for granted is Holland's overall performance. Um, you know, John Ashley was talking about this, and I know I've referenced our group chat all the time, but was talking about it during the game and was saying, you know, obviously we look back, right? Two goals and assist. Um, probably not his. <laughs> that second goal may not be the one that makes his, his highlight reel at the end of his career, but it's a goal nonetheless. Fun fact, um, it's uh, labeled as a other body parts goal. Okay. I would like to know the category. Like, what How many <laughs> other body part goals have been scored in Premier League history? Like, yeah. Um, but also, we can we can say it. He just scored with his taint. Like, that's what he scored yeah. with. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that today was one of his better all-around performances we've seen this season. Um, obviously, he's coming off a couple of worldly goals the past few matches, but... Goals aside, it just felt like his buildup was, dare I say, almost like reminded me a little bit of Jesus in the 17-18 season um, against Chelsea away. Just constantly involved in the buildup, uh, layoffs, pressing. You know, again, he doesn't need to be a Bernardo Silva in the middle. He doesn't even need to be Alvarez in the 10, but just, you know, connecting uh, passes, keeping play going. I I thought he really showed great strides today. Um, It probably, again, won't get talked about much because... You know, Chelsea made the huge rise from tenth place to tenth place, but I, I thought he was um I thought he was overall really solid. And um let let's hope that that's again something that as I keep referencing, he can continue on to uh into the international break and beyond as we look ahead to, to Liverpool. 
Absolutely. I mean, Erling Haaland is just an absolute phenomenon of a player anyway, but to see him add this new angle to his game, and it's not just been in this game against Chelsea, he's done it in other weeks, but his second goal, the other body part goal, I mean, he effectively started it. You know, it just looked classic Manchester City, three or four players run it, running away with it, making it look like the like the other team wasn't even there at certain points. Um, if, that had, if that goal had come off a foot or a head, I think a lot more people would celebrate it, but here on the City Report podcast, we're here for other body part goals anyway. Uh, it just it, fe- it, it felt like typical Manchester City for 10 or 15 minutes there. Um, so it's a shame that it, the game ended the way it did. But looking ahead, we're, we're, now, we're now in the international break, but we've got Liverpool next. Obviously, we'll be covering that game in much more detail, much closer to the time. But for you two now... What are your kind of early thoughts going into that? Because I think we're probably going to see a game similar to this one. You know, Liverpool look back to their kind of 17, 18 chaos ball best selves at the moment. Uh, they're chasing us down. Yes, we're a point ahead. But um, are we all going to, I hope we're all going to be going to bed tonight praying John Stones' injury, whatever it is, is recovered, is back, is sorted within two weeks. Um, Joe, I'll come to you first. Uh just because of how chaotic today was, it feels like it's going to be like a one nothing stinker. And I, I'm not even being sarcastic. Like, it just feels like everything that should be a basketball game end to end, it'll be like one nil, one I mean, have we, I mean, is the high, am I wrong that the highest scoring like match where it like truly was kind of competitive since the 4 3 in the 17 18 season? Like, I think it's the 2 1. Uh, we beat them four one last April. Sure, but like that was never a, a game. Like I'm saying, like where you know, oh, like where like the two teams were competing for like the Premier League and all that. Yeah, yeah, like the four one. I'm not like we had we destroyed them. That's but yeah, I'm yeah. saying like they. I I can't imagine we're gonna go like we're gonna come into this game and just you know mop the floor with them. So if this no. is gonna be a competitive match, I think this is a two one one nil like yeah. tight tight game. Um. So yeah, we definitely need Stonesy back. Yeah, I'm praying on that man's hamstring or adductor or whatever it is this time around. Um, John Stones going down with an injury is never, ever nice. But when you get a game like that, you're reminded of just how great he is. Um, I really hope that Ruben Diaz, Josco Gradiol, Carl Walker, Rodri... They're they're all kind of left alone by their international managers as much as I'm going to be praying for that just as much as the Stones recovery, but I can't see it happening. Um, maybe they'll save all their mistakes for England, Portugal, Croatia, Spain, and come back in two weeks ready to take on Liverpool and put their title challenge in the ground. But that has been this the, today's episode of the City Report podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Any final thoughts, Joe? Uh Manchester City are top of the table. Let's enjoy it for the next two weeks. Thank you so much for coming on, Joe. Andrew? Uh, Pleasure as always. And uh, take care of yourselves out there, everyone. (laughs) Have you ever won a treble? Because we have. Thanks so much for listening. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116-123. That's 116-123. 
They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.